Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarize it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Welcome back to the September 2020 Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club coming to you from Sydney, Australia. My name is Dr. Damien Marucci. I'm here with Dr. Michael Che, and we are talking about neurotized platysmal graft, a new technique for functional reanimation of the eye sphincter in long-standing facial paralysis. This is by Drs. Nassif et al. from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. And this was published in the December 19 uh, Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal. So, Michael, what was this paper about? This was a very interesting study a use of platysma graft and nerve coaptation for providing functional facial reanimation surgery. Over the course of the history, multiple different types of muscle replacement techniques has been described, including free vascularized platysma by a prominent Dr. Julia Terzis in 1984. And this is, this, uh, the authors here have re- and reinvigorated uh, the use of platysma as a graft and demonstrates it's successful to uptake and becoming fun- uh, functional and contractile uh, in a long-term setting. Some of the benefits of the platysma is a, it's uh, one of the Gillies principle of replacing life for like, and it's quite similar in terms of size. If you harvest the right amount to orbicularis oculi, has similar range of excursion, similar origin, and has multiple different actions in terms of automatic, autonomic, involuntary, voluntary, and reflexive actions. So the authors describe a two-stage approach with six to eight-month eight interval between the stages. In the first stage, they implant cross-facial nerve graft using sural nerves two sural nerves if involving mid-face reanimation and they discussed using or as alternatives superficial perineal nerve or medial cutaneous nerve of forearm then they go on to perform donor branch selection uh, by making two separate uh, incisions on the face one lateral to the orbit a centimeter above the zygomatic arch Another one, two centimeters lateral to the nasolabial fold. In the second stage, the authors will harvest platysma using a transverse incision along the neck crease, two centimeters below the level of mandible. And using two bleft type incisions, they will access and place the muscle graft parallel to orbicularis oris in a supratarsal location and they would fix it to the tarsal plate using permanent stitches. The inset at medial, medially at the medial canthus was to leave the graft ending separately, but at the lateral canthus, they would cut the muscle obliquely and stitch it together and recreate the sphincter configuration. And then they will co-app the cross-facial nerve graft by burying it into the muscle graft. It's worth noting at this point that the authors continuously followed these patients up after the first stage using tenel signs 
to guide when to perform the second stage and they would only perform when the TNL signs was positive along the nerve graft. So this was a retrospective study over the course of 12 years, spanning from 93 to 2015. And the, the inclusion criteria was complete paralysis for more than two years. The authors collected 38 consecutive patients with an average of 36 years and followed them up for at least two years. Cause of paralysis was widespread, but most commonly a third of the patients had both traumatic, another quarter of them were oncological, and about one-fifth of the patients were idiopathic. In average people, time to first stage of paralysis was eight years, and from first stage to second stage took nine months. What the authors found report um, from this study is that using the shorter incisions at the first stage to look for donor branches led to easier dissection. They were able to identify more independent motor units being more distally along the facial nerve and it reduced the risk of hematoma associated with facelift-like face or preauricular incisions. However, they did mention the preauricular incisions were preferable when using uh, free muscle flaps like gracilis or if the patient had recent paralysis. In the second stage, after the nerve coaptation and muscle grafting, the first signs of muscular contraction was detected at four to six months clinically. However, it's worth noting that objectively, they performed EMG and um, evidence of muscle contraction in only two of those 38 patients. Moving on, there was blink reflex in 100% of the, all of the patients. However, the fast blink reflex or the protective reflex was only present in one young patient. Overall, 91% of the patients reported good or satisfactory outcome. There was one complication of graft malpositioning in the lower eyelid and becoming infratarsal, leading to lower eyelid eversion, which required correction. One of the things that the authors found is that the good outcomes was associated with younger patients, less than, less than 50 years of, old, of age. Some of the strengths of this study was that this was a long longitudinal study of at least 18 years of data collection. Patients had long follow-up, more than two years, and they tried to use as much objective analysis as much as possible. Some of the weaknesses of this study is that it's a relatively a small series and only a small number of patients underwent objective analysis using EMG. And also most of the other analysis was subjective, scoring good, satisfactory, unsatisfactory outcomes from the patients of their own outcomes. So in summary, the authors demonstrate that a thin layer of muscle graft on a highly vascularized bed can contract again in four to six months post reconstruction. Patisma is a good option as a muscle graft with minimal donocyte comorbidities. However, its efficacy may be only limited to a younger population of less than 50 years of age.
Michael, that was an excellent summary of the paper. This was quite an amazing technique, which I'd never seen um, uh, personally, uh, but where basically you're just uh, doing cross-facial nerve grafts. They, they explain their rationale for doing the two separate incisions quite well, having a longer graft going sort of through the upper lip to the lower eyelid, a shorter graft going over the top uh, to the upper eyelid, and then just doing uh, a free muscle graft, um, which just takes as a, as a graft and becomes neurotized. Um, it was very interesting. Uh, the results are very good. Uh, the little tips and tricks which they gave in terms of making sure that you're uh, pre-tarsal um, rather than inferiorly positioning uh, the graft, particularly on the lower eyelid, in order to prevent ectropion uh, was very useful. Um, these are very challenging patients, and this is a potentially useful technique for these challenging patients. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.